Happy Friday, beautiful people on Babs World. Happy welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. If it's around nine o'clock, you tuned in. So let me let me shout out um, all those that uh, knew, worked with, and uh, cared and loved um, that brother from Middletown, uh, Quentin uh, uh, Williams, Q Williams, who was killed. Uh, uh, leaving the the um, governor's ball because um, everybody got you know sworn in and you know it's always a celebration and uh, he was leaving and somebody um, coming the in the wrong direction. I believe the the person coming in the wrong direction was killed too. I believe. So anyway, uh, there's a lot of sadness across the Connecticut inter interwebs. And, uh, and a lot of people um, um, was quite devastated by the news and rightly so when you work with somebody and I know what that's like, uh, when you work with somebody and you know them and you were just with them, kikiing and taking pictures and then the next thing you know, they are no longer with us, it's quite painful. And, uh, and I know those legislators uh, are very sorrowful you know, because uh, what was a celebratory celebratory moment became a moment of sorrow, and uh, and I always say, you know, we have the capacity for celebration and sorrow, and that's what life is. We we can take the highs and the lows, and um, we can take the joy and the pain. You know, we can we have the capacity for all of it. Um, so to all all my legislative friends out there, Gary Winfield and Sean Howard and uh, all the folks that knew him and worked with him, you know, I'm holding all y'all in my prayers. You know, God can hear all the prayers and take all the prayers and be with all the prayers and just know that uh, you are not grieving alone, that there are so many people across the state who are uh in solidarity and in sympathy with the legislative body of Connecticut this day. So, so I just wanted to say that because it's painful and, and it's hard, you know, it's very hard. Uh, so I was at the ER last night. I got to the ER yesterday around four o'clock. My daughter called me from work and said, oh, I don't feel good. I'm in a lot of pain. So I said, well, make your way over to the ER. And when I get out of my meeting, I didn't want to run out of my meeting. And she wasn't, you know, she wasn't at death's door, but <clears throat> she got herself to the ER and I followed suit. We didn't leave the ER till nine o'clock. I tell you, the ER has got to, how come urgent care is faster than the ER? <laughs> but all your insurance doesn't, everybody's insurance doesn't take the uh, urgent care. So you got to, you got to, you got to, decipher which urgent care is in your best interest uh, we, we didn't do that work I didn't think about it until after the fact because and we were at the ER for hour, four hours it was painful it's painful I that's the and you know the hospitals are nasty dirty <laughs> I'm sorry they just are I don't know if they cut the cleaning staff I don't know if they are you know cutting corners on the budget the ER is that ER was dirty as hell. It was just trash everywhere in the bathrooms. I don't 
I don't understand. How the hospital going to be the dirtiest place on earth? That's my rant. Maybe somebody who works at the hospital will hear it and be like, yeah, you babs, you're right. Let me, let's, let's put some money into keeping the bathroom clean. You know, I, you would think a hospital would want an environment of cleanliness at all costs, top to bottom. Not in that ER, it was nasty. And then all them sick people, they should have somebody around the clock coming in there and disinfecting everything. <laughs> the people, people, that's the point of entry. The ER is a point of entry. Don't you want to like shut germs down at the point of entry? I'm no doctor. I have no idea. I just know it was nasty as hell in there yesterday. Ooh, ah. And my daughter was like, don't go to the bathroom, mom. Don't go in there. Because if you go in there, you're going to throw up. And I didn't. I seen they had the cleaning people take pick the trash, take the trash out of the trash bags. You know, the garbage cans. They ain't sweep the garbage up off the floor. There was so much trash on the floor. I, I don't know how they, you know. <clears throat> I don't know how hospitals do it. I don't, you know, listen, we need hospitals, but I, I, if, if it's, if I'm running a hospital, I'm thinking the point of entry is where we really got to secure. It's like, we got to secure the border. That's the border. That's the point of entry. We got to secure that, you know, at least, you know, and by secure, I mean, make it welcoming and clean it. And you know how you make it welcoming? You clean it. Cleaning is welcoming. Or maybe, or maybe I'm onto something. Maybe they don't want you to come to the hospital. <laughs> the damn sure don't let you stay long. Hospitals are expensive, but don't you? But I feel like if you clean at the point of entry, it cuts down all the other points where germs and stuff can fester. At least that's how I think. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's something to be said for taking your shoes off at somebody's door when you walk in their house. Because when you think about all the surfaces that you work, walk on outside in the world, and then you walk into your house, you bring all that into your house. Just saying. Same concept. And there were so many sick people in there yesterday. I mean, it's the hospital, it's the emergency room. And we went to the St. Ray campus, campus you know, the St. Ray, Rayfield's camp, campus on uh, Chapel Street. It was dirty, just dirty, dirty. Uh, yeah, well, come on now. Seriously. It needs to be clean. I don't know when the cleaning schedule happens, but God knows. I just don't, I don't understand the nasty. I just can't stand it. Can't stand it. So anyway, that's, that's my, um, <clears throat> that is my, uh, my uh, hospital emergency room experience. I hate a nasty bathroom. I really, that'll make my head fall off, you know? And I had to go to the bathroom, but I wouldn't go. I'm like, mm -mm, I, don't, I don't care. And you know, my bladder is tight. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't have a leakage problem yet. It's still tight, but I can still hold it. But still, whoo, I couldn't stand it. Could not stand it. I did get a little walk in. I parked my car a little bit away from the hospital so I can at least get a walk in because it cut into my walk time. And uh, <clears throat> it was a little challenging. You know, when I'm trying to mindfully get a walk in and on how my day stacks up, it's, it's very challenging. So I got to work a little bit harder 
you know, to uh, get a walk in. I, I, I have been toying with the idea of getting up a little earlier and just taking my walk in the morning, you know, and maybe I'll get to that point. And the weather hasn't been janky, so I could conceivably do it. I just don't want to do it. <clears throat> you know, I don't want to do it. So anyway, that's my story of my walk. But I'm, my goal is to get a full weekend and then every week add to it, right? Like really pr push myself to add to it. I don't want to be leisurely about this. I want to be intentional and determined. So <clears throat> that's the point. I don't know why I have such a foggy throat. I don't know what's happening. Um, I came home. I had a glass of wine last night. I was like, I'm going to have a glass glass of wine or two I didn't drink the whole bottle just like two glasses and then I called it a night and I slept very hard I think because I was tired you know which is a good sign because you know I have a janky sleeping pattern and I think uh exercise is critical to uh getting me getting my uh my sleep patterns back to normal after years and years and years of not um, having sleep patterns so or janky sleep patterns and not getting enough sleep and I've always been one for less than eight hours seven hours of sleep uh, and for a long time I was averaging like four or five hours of sleep. I don't even want to say five I'll just say a tight four hours which is no good for the brain you know and it's been consistently like this for years and years and years so it's not like something is disturbing my rest do you know what I mean so I mean, I've had sleep studies done. I've had all the things. They're like, well, you seem to be intact. <laughs> we still like you to get more sleep. Okay, I'll figure that out. And I'm not a napper. I feel like if I take a nap, I'm going to bed. That's it. There's no, no napping, then getting up, and then continuing with the day. I take a nap, and it just makes me feel like I'm drunk. So I'm one of those kind of people. Naps don't do me good. They just make me feel worse. So I'd rather just push through and then just go on to bed so I don't have to get back up and continue things. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm that person. So anyway, enough about my health. Let's turn to the health of uh, the football player. Uh, he is making great strides. Uh, great, great, great... Uh, great strides and uh it is it is good to know good to see um uh and i i think it's a testament to his youth <laughs> uh demar hamlin uh, he woke up and asked the doctors who won and doctors like you won you won the game of life <laughs> uh, but he's uh he is making um extraordinary progress and I do think it's because he's young and the body, the body will readjust itself. You know, I think it was a, it was a freakish accident. It was an accident at the right moment at the right time is when that downbeat hit that backbeat, baby. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And, uh, and, uh, and the cat that hit him stayed at the hospital the whole time. He was sitting at the hospital like, I can't go home. I got to know how this go, you know, and I'm not, you know, listen, he didn't, football is a brutal violent sport i don't care what anybody says 
it is a gladiator sport. And we we cheer when people get hit hard. You know, we just we we just shut it down when they get hit hard enough to go into cardiac arrest. <laughs> so, you know, I I don't know. So they've canceled the rest of their games for the week. Cause they just they know the team ain't in no mood to play. Even though the father was like, Yeah, y'all go play. You know, play for my son or whatever. And the team was like, mm, we're not doing that. We can't, our head ain't right. We gotta, we gotta know he's all right fully. So and I think that was a good call. Like it, it should not be. I mean, they can make this money up. They gotta make this money up. They gotta make it back. They're gonna whatever. There's all so many opportunities. So many opportunities for them for them to make money back. And uh and I think I think people need to show football players with some humanity. Because God knows they didn't show none to Colin Kaepernick, you know. And since then they've had so many incidences of racism and and all the things. And so uh it's it's good that the that the that the these coaches have some measure of humanity uh, to them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I know, I know it's a it's a game and it's a big money game, but uh, I think they made the right call. So uh, it, it it it's the right call, and and that's going to live in people's memories for a long time, and uh, and we're all going to be praying for this young man to get back up on his feet and uh and uh i don't i i don't know what the future holds i have no idea if he wants to get well enough to play again he probably can't because it's a freak accident it's not like he has a heart condition or any of that kind of stuff but i would imagine if you get hit like that and you have that happen that 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 the opportunity for that to happen again probably gets greater i i don't know i'm no doctor i don't know but that's how I would be thinking about this. Be like, wow, is my heart really good? Like, if I get hit again, what happens? But it was a it was a perfect storm. So, uh, and apparently, there's a list of football players who died while playing. So this is not, you know, not un, not not unusual. I mean, it is unusual, but we've had folks die. So anyway, I'm not going to run through that list because. That's a that's more more morbid than I want to be on a Friday, you know it's Friday in the Elm, and uh, but I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to just talk about those two things first first and foremost, you know it was just it's just been a lot of uh, sadness, and uh, and uh, you know we're still in the Christmas season. You know, well, Three Kings Day is done, but you know, we're still we're still in a celebratory New Year kind of space. You know, there's some good things that have happened. You know, my my friend Shanita, my sorrow Shanita got married. My sorrow Dawn Leaks got married. Uh, let's see what else is going on. I had a good New Year's Eve with my friends. You know, I'm hopeful about the future. I had an amazing lunch with uh, my mentor, Marilyn Kendrick. And uh, and we had such a rich conversation. And it was just so amazing to sort of sit with her and talk about this uh, 
this call to divinity school because y'all know I'm applying to uh, Institute of Sacred Music at YDS uh, because they have an art art and religion uh, program that I want to get into. Um, and I'm so excited. It just feels so a wonderful space to be in, to be applying. You know, and I was looking at my, my YDS application from 2020. And I was reading it over and I was not clear about, and I knew this. I I, I knew that I wasn't clear about what I wanted to do. I knew I could, I, I could tell. Um, but when I went back and read it just the other day, and I went just the other day, I because I had the folder on my desktop. So I went and I looked at what I wrote, what I said, and I was just, it just wasn't, it wasn't clear about where I was going. It just wasn't. And when I'm working on the YDS, my application now, I'm very clear. And so, and when I was having lunch with uh, Marilyn Kendrick at Rawa, which was really good, it's always good, I was very clear. And I could articulate that to her in a way that she understood. And it was a, it was, and it was like she had a sense that uh, she she added to the path that I'm. She added to the rightness of my path. That's what I want to say. She added to the rightness, sharing some stories of of uh, of music and art. And I just was like, I am on the right path. Like I just now, if I don't get in, it's one thing. It it won't be because I didn't try and I didn't feel good. And and if I don't get in. I, I still have a dream of pursuing the outcome, the outcome. I know, I know what the outcome is. I see it very clearly. So it does, it, I would like to get in. I think it would do a world of good for me. Uh, I think I would enjoy it immensely. But if I don't, uh, I still move on in this, in this artistic expression. I still move in the art spaces. I still, um, become part of the arts community. I still stay a part of the arts community as a as a uh, uh, a patron, as an artist, and as a leader of an organization of a board that runs an uh, arts organization. So, so I'm I'm still very much committed whether I get in or not. I would like to get in because I like to marry the two things, which are very dear to me. So, so we'll see. It's not for lack of trying. So the LSAT. Uh, prep starts up Saturday, tomorrow. So we got to be on our game, you know, and uh, tonight, I don't have any plans tonight. So tonight I'll go over, you know, they send us a laundry list of things to prepare for the day before. So, uh, and this is my, my plan was to do that anyway. So it was, so it works out. So, fr so tonight um, uh, I'm in a, uh, I'm going to participate in a focus group around young people and um, opioid abuse and fentanyl and all that kind of stuff. So I'm in a, I'm in a focus group for the better part of the afternoon. Uh, once I get off air, I got to race over to the focus group and I'll be there until like four. So it's like an all day kind of thing, which is fine. And then when I finish that, uh, I've got a book on hold at the library. So I need to go get that. And then the rest of the evening, I'm just going to go over my um, Yale access to law school prep stuff so I could be ready tomorrow morning at 9.30 for class. And then, uh, and then once that's done, uh, I, I, you know, I've got a, a little get together uh, with the Kaplans 
uh, later in the day. And that, that I'm not spending the night. I'm just going to go for a couple of hours, hang out, catch up, laugh, joke, drink, and then bring my butt home. Um, and then Sunday, uh, I'm in a writing group. And so at 11 o'clock, we write. Um, and so I'm excited about that. So, so things are returning to normal. You know, it was a long holiday, which I enjoy, but things are returning to normal. So I, so I get back into my, my uh, hectic, loving, beautiful, crazy routines, which I enjoy immensely. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's my weekend in a nutshell. And uh, I'm trying to think what else I got on my plate. I think I covered everything. I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's everything. And then, you know, get back on it uh, for, uh, just get back into the swing in January and MLK is coming up. So uh, everybody's got their MLK activities up. Um, a couple of places are doing things. The New Haven Museum is doing something. Uh, the Peabody Museum is continuing their stuff. The Love March is still happening. I've not done that Love March in 20 years. When I was a new alderman, I did it. My then husband and I did it a couple of times. And it, I tell you, when I when we did it, it was like the coldest time ever. And I said, oh, I can't do this anymore. So, but, you know, right now, Connecticut is feeling like Virginia, weather-wise. You know, we are feeling like Virginia. So, uh, so I, I, I will say, I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, you know, it's starting to get nice to spend winters in Connecticut. <laughs> it's, start, it's starting to feel nice to spend winters in Connecticut. I'm going to, I'm here to tell you, it's getting nice to spend winters in Connecticut. So I don't know what's happening. I know global warming. I, I get it. I get it. But it's it's kind of benefiting us. <laughs> it's kind of benefiting us. I'm not complaining because we are not in the Midwest. We're not Chicago, and we're not certainly not Buffalo and Syracuse and all those places that got all that jaggling snow. And I'm holding my breath, so uh, um, I'm uh, I'm grateful that I I'm not a uh, I, I I don't got to worry about that anymore. So anyway, <sighs> anyway, I'm just out here doing my thing, just out here doing it. And uh, yeah, so I think there's some events coming up. Uh, I think, uh, you know, people are getting back to a normal schedule, although um, COVID is still very much, very much with us. And the numbers are, um climbing so uh and i'm seeing i'm seeing more and more people mask you know the hospitals still require it hospitals still require it and uh and i'm seeing more and more people masking in public spaces particularly people who have compromised immune systems and vulnerabilities Yes, mask. And don't let anybody like side-eyed you or all this other kind of stuff. And I don't understand how people give people the mean look when people are masking. Like, what the hell has I got to do with you? I'm like, me masking protects you, clown. <laughs> I don't know why people see that. 
Everybody thinks everybody got moved in some kind of group around this thing. Like if you got a mask, mask. And don't let people bully you into, you know, feeling some kind of way about wearing a mask. Like, shut up and mind your business. I wish somebody would say something to me. <laughs> and not that I would bark back. I would just look at them. And I might have to inquire, are you having a stroke? <laughs> that would be my that would be my answer. That would be my rebuttal. They're like, why are you wearing a mask? Are you having a stroke? Because you sound like you're having a stroke. Because you're not making sense. You're incoherent. <laughs> That's exactly what I would say. You are you are incoherent because I don't understand why you're asking me about the protections for my person. I don't understand. Why are you wearing clothes? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's wrong with people? What's your business. You know, like applaud them. Like, thank you for making me safe. That never occurs to people. They just feel like, oh, you buying into the government propaganda. Shut up. What are you talking about? It's not a communist life film we make it. It's real stuff. You know how many people died in this country just from this pandemic? Like, use some common sense. But we don't have common sense. You know why? Because when I was sitting in the ER last night, the um, ambulance team or whoever they are, they have Fox News on. And I sit there thinking, that's the insidiousness right there that is deteriorating this country. It is part of it. It is part of it. The, it is a part of the, the fast dumbing down of this country and its people. And I don't think people see it that way. They think they're just getting some, oh, th this is my point of view. It's not your point of view. You're being sold a point of view. You're being told a point of view. You're not thinking for yourself. You're letting these people fill your head with gobbledygook and you are just digesting it with all, with all deliberate speed. Oh, you know, you can't tell people nothing. You can't. So you just, you just, I just watch and I'm just like, yeah, Fox News is for stupid people. It really, it really is. And it's painful. It's just painful to watch that, you know, and I'm listening to the, I'm listening to these people talk about, you know, things that are fake and not fake. And I'm listening and I'm thinking, these people are really stupid. Yeah, they really, really are. And it and it's a little unnerving. It's a little unnerving. I was a little bit afraid. And I thought, man, to our peril. To our peril. But anyway, I say that to say, mind your business about people's masks. <laughs> mind your business. Mind your business. And, I, and let me tell you also one more thing about being in the ER. It is straight comedy magic in there. The things that people come in there that has that they are wanting to talk about and report on and symptom. It's just outrageous. <laughs> I'm texting my friends. I'm like, there's a man in here who said a spider bit his penis. And so the, the intake person is like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she's doing it with a straight face. I would have been on that nasty floor cracking up. I was like, sir, what? How do you know? 
He's like, oh, because there's lots of spiders where I live. And when it bit me, it felt like a sting and it was like like a knife or what did it say? Like a pin. So she was like, okay, uh, did you see it though? He's like, no, but I felt it. And she was like, so it could have been any, it could be something else. He's like, well, I don't know, but it's swollen and it's red and pussing. And she was like, okay, have a seat. <laughs> and then he, then they whisked him away. I don't know what happened after that. But he was just, and he was there with a friend. I don't know, a friend, a partner, a roommate or somebody. And it, it was just straight, I was just, I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> I'm not laughing at his situation. I'm laughing at the way he told the situation. It's the telling of the situation that was hilarious. 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 I, I just, I don't. And then there was this guy sitting there and he had the Clint Eastwood, one of the Western ringtones. So every time his phone rang, you get you get that what do do and I swear to God, if that phone would have rang one more time, <laughs> I would have hogtied that man. And he was like a little slip of a man. He was a tiny little man. That big and it was loud. <laughs> it was the Clint Eastwood, like you know, from like Good, Bad, and Ugly, one of them westerns. It was the ringtone. I was like, like, what? Is this the Twilight Zone? That I walked through these tours into the Twilight Zone. Into the Twilight Zone. I it was just the craziest. I mean, I just seen too much crazy. And I think somebody could just do a documentary on what goes on in the ER. Just just the kinds of things that you see in here. I mean, I know there's probably tons and tons of documentaries of of that kind of thing, but from a comedic perspective, I mean, it was just wild. And it was just loud. I was like, and he's a little slip of a man. And I, I didn't understand it. I was like, okay, 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 people. This, this is what we're doing. We're doing Clint Eastwood, good, bad, and the ugly ringtone. That's what we're doing. We're doing that. Okay. It kept, and it, you know, it went off several times. I was like, sir, turn the volume on that thing down. Just, and then uh, I will say the saving, my best part of the night was one of the uh, nurse assistants and PAs or whatever, sister came in and she saw the Fox, the EMT people or whoever they are left. They went to have coffee or a break or something. And she came in and she saw that mess on Fox News. She picked up the remote and changed the channel. <laughs> And I just gave her a thumbs up. I was just like, I was like, thank you. Because that mess was annoying as all get up. And when they came back, they saw that it was changed and nobody changed it back. And that's because they were all playing on their computers, little games. You know, I guess I got to pass the time. Like they're not germane to what is happening in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They just have to be ready at a moment's notice to jump in the ambulance and go rescue people. So, you know, they got to do something. I just prefer them not to watch Fox News on a steady, in a steady way, and then talk about it as if that's some, some intelligent thing to do. I was like, I just want to say, if y'all don't shut up, 
But I didn't say that. I just sat there with a little mask on, looking around, observing the situation. Odd. Odd, odd, odd. So anyway, we left. And uh, wear your mask. <laughs> wear, wear a mask if you need a mask. Just wear a mask, people. Wear a mask. Ugh. And that is the world as I see it. So let me see what else is going on. It's the 6th, right? I think there's some stuff going on at Cafe 9 tonight that I think uh, I think uh, there's somebody playing at Cafe 9 that I think you might be interested in. Um, I, I, I don't have the bandwidth to hang out tonight because I, I got some reading to do and I got to take a deep dive to get back into uh, the law school uh, vibe. Uh, I, I love that I'm thinking about things from both sides of my brain, like divinity school and law school. Like I, I kind of like that idea. And I think I got here because I'm at this age where it makes sense. And, you know, the other thing that Marilyn said that she, um, she got into divinity school when she was 61 and she's, she's been an ordained minister for 10 years now. Now I have no desire to be an ordained minister because I don't want to, I don't want to run a church and, and nobody wants me to be a minister in their church. I like to do the niceties. I don't want to do the hard stuff. Although I could do the hard stuff, but I don't want to. So, <laughs> so anyway, I I don't have any intent. I do have a concept though. And I was talking, I'm not going to say what the concept is now, not because I'm afraid to say it, but because I want to flesh it out. And I want that to be my, the thing that I, my goal, my project that I work toward. So I'm not going to um, unleash it right now. Uh, but I, I kind of alluded to it yesterday. But I have an idea what I want to do. I have a real idea, uh, and I and I'm I'm in that space. You know, the Church of Redeemer is a line in our mission statement that says where art and intellect meet, and that has stayed that has stayed with me ever since I heard it, and it, I carry it in my mind with me all in my heart all the time. Where art and intellect, you know. Uh, Essentially that, you know, art is the thing that gives us wings. And uh, uh, and that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. So that is where I'm at. So anyway, um, that is, that is the story of uh, what's going on. I was trying to pull up Cafe Nine as he was there tonight in my event section. Because I, I believe there's something going on tonight. I, I just believe that. <laughs> I'm going to make it so. I don't care. I'll make it so. I'm going to make it so. Let me see. Uh, oh, tonight, tonight. Oh, the ambulance chasers. Uh, no, I don't want to go see that. I mean, I'm not against these folks. They sound good, but that's not what I want to do. Plus, I wasn't doing that anyway. So I've got to... Uh, uh, I got to mind my business. Uh, Tuesday, uh, January 10th, um, Cafe 9, 7 to 10. That's a, that's a jam, a session at 8 o'clock. So if people are are into it, they should go. I love going to um, Cafe 9. I wish that Fireside 12 would run them some food, though. But, you know, what you can do, and they don't mind. You go get a pizza and bring it in there and sit at the bar, or sit at the table and eat. They don't they don't mind that, which I kind of dig. I just never think to do it 
when I get over there, and we've done it a couple of times, but it's never my first thought. So I should do that the next time. Because, you know, I could get a vegan cheese pizza down at um, Marco Polo. And it's, you know, they do an inexpensive pizza. Not cheap, just inexpensive. And so, you know, it's a good pizza, too. Like a good, good pizza. I, I don't think there's a bad pizza in New Haven except for Domino's and, and others, other little little Caesar. Like that's that's not pizza. That's just whatever. That's like one better than your freezer, you know, frozen pizzas. And frozen pizzas have come a long way, I must say. They have come a long way. You know, and if you got kids and you want to have pizza, but you don't want to spend pizza money, a frozen pizza might not be a bad idea, particularly if you don't overcook it. Like if you overcook it, then it's like, you know, a uh, uh, a flying. It's like a a frisbee, you know, like a like a cardboard frisbee. <laughs> but if you cook it right to the right time, then it's those those things are pretty damn good. But anyway, so I I could stop at um Marco Polo and then march myself down to Cafe Nine with my pizza and then and they and it, you know listen. Cafe Night has a good bar. They carry good, they carry good tequila. They carry good, they got a nice bunch of beers. So, you know, they carry a good, they've got a good bar selection, you know, which is impressive. You know, I wish other places had a well-stocked bar. They don't, <laughs> you know, but that's okay. Some places that don't have a good bar make up in other ways. So. You know, so yeah, so Cafe Nine, they have a good bar and they have a good beer selection too. And I like tap, tap, beers on tap. I, I like, I think they're the freshest as far as I'm concerned. So I like beers on tap. So they have beers on tap. So, so what I do when I'm there, I usually get me, you know, like a, a this is how I like to drink. So those that know me, I like a good tequila, neat, a, with a side of ice. And then I like a, a good Pilsner or a lager. I'm out of my IPA world, although I can be coaxed to drink an IPA, but my my choice is a lager or a pilsner because I just like I just like the clean, fresh lightness of those. So anyway, so that's so that's how I like to drink. So I'll start with the tequila, glass of ice on the side, and then I'll have a beer. <laughs> that's that's and then that's it. You know, I mean it's not it. I'll drink, I'll just drink beer after that. Like I'll go. Tequila beer, tequila beer, tequila beer. Depending on how I feel, the mood I'm in and the vibe I'm kicking, you know. And then lots and lots of water because, you know, you got to drink a lot of water because alcohol in and of itself is dehydrating. Y'all know that. So anyway, um, so there's stuff going on. It's a good music scene. Good music scene. Could be better when I listen to my, um, when I listen to my musician friends. Could be better. You know, but there's there, I, there is real opportunity to hear jazz, though I must say, you know, you could go to Harvest. I think they still have jazz on Thursdays. Harvest, Three Sheets, which you know they swing in there. It's a it's a good scene, and you know the food is pretty decent. They got a lot of vegan stuff to choose from. It's not my favorite, but you know I miss that they don't have hot dogs anymore because the hot dogs was the thing. You know. I mean, you know, hot dogs are trash food, but that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It could, it could be, you know, and what and what cleans up a hot dog? Sauerkraut or relish. Sauerkraut or relish will 
will come undo the bad, bad hot dogs. You know, all this, this for your gut, you know, for your gut. Because sauerkraut and any fermented thing is good for your gut. So and I, I happen to love sauerkraut. I happen to like sauerkraut and, and vegetarian beans together. Like, even if I don't have a hot dog, I, that's the combination that I like, sweet and fermented. I don't even know what that sauerkraut thing is, but I like it. I've always liked sauerkraut. I'm one of these people that like, I like mustard and sauerkraut on my hot dog. And if you've got onions, then onions too. Now, see, now that's going to make me want to go to the hot dog guy and get me a hot dog. So that's one of the things that I like. I like that too. So. I'm just saying, don't eat the way I eat. <laughs> don't don't do it. So you know, I, when I when I'm hanging out with my friend uh, Bobby, uh, uh, occasionally we go to Cats up there in Amity, and we go to Cats Deli, right? And they they've got good food. Like I I I love their food because you know they put the pickles and stuff on the table, and it's you know it's a, it's a Jewish deli. So they have they do a great hot dog. They do the I think they do the Hebrew national hot dogs. A good hot dog, you know. I get a hot dog. They give me the I like yellow mustard and sauerkraut, and then I get the baked beans and I get French fries. Now this is probably the worst trash food in America, but well, it's not the worst. I, fast food restaurants is probably worse, um, but that's what I like when I go there. You know, like other people go there for pastrami sandwich or the Reuben or whatever. All the other things. Me, I go for the hot dogs. I go for the hot dogs. Give me a hot dog, mustard sauerkraut, french fries. I'm good. If they sold beer, I'd have a beer. But I get an iced tea, unsweetened iced tea. Because I don't like sweet tea. I just never like sweet tea. It makes me thirsty. <laughs> I was like, I never feel like, I, I just like plain tea, you know, with no sugar in it. So I get me a, and, and then that's, that's the meal. That's it. So that makes me want to run the cat. I don't have time to go to cats today. There's no time in the schedule for cats. But if there was, my friends, I'd be right there. I would be right there. Right there. Maybe I'll get there next week. You know, maybe I'll get there right there next week. So anyway, uh, that's, that's my, that's my eating habits, my eating and drinking habits, um, uh, uh, for you. If any, if anybody wants to know, <laughs> oh, if anybody wants to, I had a great meeting with uh, Crimson World Travel yesterday, cause you know, I'm working on this trip for my birthday You know, I'm going to Marrakesh for my birthday, for 60th birthday. I had 26 people going to Marrakesh to hang out with me for my birthday, which I am in awe of and freaked out by wholly. You know, it's going to be a good time. 26, 26 Americans <laughs> in North Africa. <laughs> and we've got some things planned, which, which is going to be quite fun. Uh, and I'm not, not, I'm not planning up the week tight. I want people to be able to do their own thing have opportunity to do their own thing, see things that they want to see. There's a few things on my list. I uh, definitely want to um, do a hot air balloon at sunrise. I definitely want to uh, uh, 
go by the Atlas Mountains. I don't necessarily need to climb them. I could be at the base. I definitely would like to, I wouldn't mind having dinner in the desert. That'd be kind of fun, interesting, and just what you would want to do in a country that has desert. Uh, I, I want to go to Yves Saint Laurent Museum. It used to be his house, but now it's a museum. So I want to go see that. Definitely want to go to the night market, you know, because night market is where it's at. And uh, I definitely want to do some shopping, you know, because they're known. And I might have to get my barter on because they look for that bartering is the thing. No, 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 my friend. No, no, no. I don't. No, 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 my friend. That's too much. Across the way and around the corner, I could get this cheaper. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Oh, no, I'll give you this. No, 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 no. Thank you, though. <laughs> oh, you give it to me for that? Okay, thanks. Well, if you're going to give me for that, how about this? <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for my, my bartering skills because that's the thing. I'm not, you know, there's nothing shy about me, right? Like, I'm not shy. I'm not nervous. I'm not any of that kind of stuff. I mix it up pretty good. I just like wherever I, wherever I go, that's where I belong. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm even thinking about not bringing a whole bunch. Of, I'm not bringing a lot. I'll bring two outfits in my bag, maybe. And then everything else, I'll just get stuff. <laughs> I'm going to pack my suitcase with stuff, but not overpack it. But so, yeah, so we fly out of JFK. We are in Madrid for a minute. And then from Madrid, we go, we fly to uh, Marrakesh. Um, and, and so, so anyway, our meeting yesterday was just a, shore up the ground transportation component you know like how are we going to get the jfk um we've got transportation once we get to marrakesh oh how's that going to work so so yeah it's going to be it's going to be good i mean it's already good it's a good group of people i'm excited um we're gonna have a good time it's a beautiful ground beautiful grounds you know uh i'm just looking forward to it just looking forward to it. So uh, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a trip of a lifetime, but it probably is a trip of a lifetime. Um, and then, and then think about where I want to go after that, but I'm, I'm getting ready. So, I, you know, everybody is excited and, uh, and I'm thinking about this as four, four months. I mean, can you imagine four months from now uh, we, we uh, descend I don't, we we bring New Haven to Marrakesh, <laughs> and we have two whole. We have taken up two hotels, two hotels. We have taken up. So I am I am very excited, very very excited. And I think I like it because it's just so mysterious and so interesting, and so I'm 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 ready for that kind of intrigue and you know uh romance and mystery and uh just a whole exotic vibe you know just to just to get the vibe and then uh i think we're gonna try to plan a trip to rwanda i think that's the next thing that we want to plan a trip to rwanda and uh and see how that goes because um, it's time to start um well, before the world goes on lockdown again, because God knows, I think um, the pandemic will be with us for a very long time. 
and iterations of the COVID virus just is going to be around and it's just going to remain killing people and that's just what it is. So we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best. So in the meantime, you know, we're we're buzzing. So I'm trying to think about uh, 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 getting ready for the trip and what else I can do to, you know, make it a memorable experience, not just for myself, but for the other 25 people going with me. <laughs> 25 people going. So I think it's going to be lovely. We have a good time. And uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited. you know. But in the meantime, I've got stuff in front of me that I got to handle. I got stuff I got to take care of. Uh, and I've got a PSA that I need to read. So let me get to that real quick, right quick before we go um, before we go uh, take a break because you know I gotta take a break. So January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Do you know someone who was a victim of human trafficking? Human trafficking is a form of modern day slavery with illegal smuggling and trading of people for forced labor and or sexual and physical abuse. This is a worldwide problem as well as in our beautiful state of Connecticut. Traffickers target people, both boys and girls, who are vulnerable to, pro to, to promises of a better life and enforcing them to live and work in unfair and abusive conditions. Many traffickers are well known living near us and promising and convincing young people and families that their children will have a better life in a new place. Under the United States federal and Connecticut state laws, Human trafficking is a crime. Let's work together to protect our children against these horrific crimes. If you are a victim or know someone who is a victim of human trafficking, or if you would like more information about this serious issue in our society, please contact Love 146 at 203-772-4420. That's 203-772-4420. We need your help. This public service announcement is being sponsored by the Waterbury, Connecticut chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. So, yes, I said that I would read this every day while I'm on air in January. I'm going to make a, uh, I'm going to record this too, so that um, um, Harry could play it in other places. Do you know what I mean? So he could play it in other sets um, during the month of January. That's cool. Uh, because this is a big problem. I mean, you know, y'all know my story. I was a kid that was trafficked by my dad and my father, and uh, and it went un it went unpoliced. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and and there's there's a lot of this going on. It, the, the police are not going to catch all of this. They're just not, and they're right here in, in our midst. Um, and and people will either out grow into it or grow out of it. And 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 won't and there'll be people who won't ever get caught who's doing this kind of stuff, you know. Not the people who are buying children, not the people who are selling children. It's just it's so such a problem. It's such a big deal. You don't even know. Uh, and for me, this was what 40, 50 years ago, right? So, um, and you know, no one was even thinking about that in those days. They didn't even call it that. So. Anyway, I'm going to take a break. I'll be back. Um, some music is going to happen. Some PSAs. I'll see y'all.
to 15. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Keep the darkness away from your heart. Slowly enters in and then it claws you apart. Spark your flame until your fire explodes. You won't be scared if you're led by the light and hope. Don't let the weight of this world, don't let it get you, don't let it get you. Forgive like you
distant shores I've been waiting wanting more for the whole night and it ain't right I've been saying what's on my mind trying to explain what can't be defined and for so long it's been so strong suddenly it's clear 
to the second hour of love babs love talk on babs rolls ivy uh, i was a little bit delayed because i was watching the um the uh the uh second anniversary of the uh insurrection <laughs> so they were uh the legislators are on the capitol steps um um having a moment of silence and remembering those that lost their lives um defending the uh capitol and uh it's uh quite moving to sort of see people come and say their loved ones names out loud uh, and to see children you know call their father's name so uh i didn't realize two years had come and gone you know to me it just feels like last month but two year two year anniversary uh january 6th and uh It was a tough day. I, I don't I don't care where you stand on this. I don't care what your political leanings are. Stuff like that can't happen. Like that just can't be how we operate in this country. It just can't. And uh and anybody that thinks that that's the way to go is crazy and and doesn't know anything about American history or what America means, or they're not invested in creating an America for all. That that's what it comes down to, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that you would level that level, that you would go with that kind of violence um, against your own citizens and and police. You know, the police that you say you care so deeply about. You know, where where does the blue lives matter? Does blue lives matter for some police and not all police? I just try to understand. And and you know, a, a carnival barker get delivered the these 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 orders to go and march on this capital in this way you know i think i really think that they were just good old boys trying to you know thinking they got some privileges and power to do this uh and they did and um one by one they all go to jail you know they all catch it they all have to pay for 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 doing this and you know, I, I'm still at, I'm still trying to figure out how somebody like Donald Trump could get anybody to do anything is beyond the pale for me. Like, <laughs> like he's stupid, and y'all just follow the stupid. I don't, I don't get it. I never got it. I, I never. 
<laughs> I'm still shocked that he was president. <laughs> and I and I I just and that made me really understand that there are people in this country that do not care about this country. I don't care what you say. I don't care because that's not how you do things. And if your fear drives you to the place of you're so afraid of other, and you don't even know what the other is. You know what other is? Artificial intelligence. It's not other people. It's not other people from other countries coming in here that's going to take over. That's not going to be it. That's not going to be it. It's going to be artificial intelligence that's going to do us all in. But hear me now, hear me later. No, you don't, because you just think these little Mexicans or whoever's coming over here is going to buy up all the Taco Bell. I, I, I'm just trying to understand what, what people's fears are that, you know, immigrants and migrants are coming over here and, and doing what? <laughs> They're not raping and killing. You white people over here cornered the market on that. <laughs> Mexican people ain't walking into schools killing kids. They're not walking in the malls killing people. They're not doing any of that. <laughs> you know who's doing that? White people. <laughs> Americans. White Americans are doing that. Mexicans are not coming across the border doing that. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? But you see what you see and you believe what you believe because you're fed a steady diet of misinformation. And when they put a face, when they put a face on whatever they think the ills are in this country and they put a brown face on it, then everybody just assumes, oh, well, this is the problem. No, no shade to the Eastern Europeans that come over here without even so much as an, a blink, right? No one bats one eyebrow, raises one eyebrow when Eastern Europeans come over here. Not one. Not one. <laughs> but somehow all these brown people and black people come over here and everybody's like, oh my God, they're taking everything from us. And I don't know what the everything is. Because you're not willing to go in the fields and pick grapes for wine, but you enjoy wine. You're not, you're not willing to go in the fields and pick produce, but you like fresh produce in your grocery stores. You're not willing to, 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 to do day labor work, but you want tall buildings and you want progress. See what I'm saying? So January 6th was a real eye-opener for, for those of us who pay attention to, to the arc of history and, and know something about the history of this country and know something about white supremacy and the assiduousness of white supremacy. Do you know what I mean? So, so I know why people out there want to have conversations about class and race. For me, it always comes down to race. You know, it comes down, and I I don't read right wing propaganda. I don't I don't do that. I, I you know I came through a HBCU. I came through a historically black college, so uh, I am biased toward black people. <laughs> I am hella biased toward toward the liberation, protection, and the future growth of black people. That I I don't I don't got no not I, I don't know how to. There's no coming away from that. So I, I I know white supremacy when I see it. And don't get me wrong, there's some other folks carrying out the deeds of white supremacy who ain't white. I, I, I understand that too. Make no mistake, I understand that. You know, so but the majority of, of my of my smoke falls at the feet of white folks and white folks in 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 places where um they keep their boot on the necks of people. Just saying.
You know, I'm just saying. And so when you start to lay out the history of things, when you start to lay out now, how can the people who are less than 12% of the entire population be 75% of the penal system? How How is that even possible? When we're not the ones that it consume or buy the most uh, drugs in this country. So <laughs> figure that out for me. Then get back to me. Talk to me about, about redlining and how that is still going on. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about, you know, how Tulsa and Rosewood and Wilmington and so many other countless unknown cities and towns can be burnt to the ground by white folks because what? What? You know, so I'm just, I, I just want people to sort of pay attention to history. No, history does not repeat itself. And I hate when people say that it doesn't repeat itself. What it does do, though, gives us a roadmap from where we were to where we could be. And if we don't look and pay attention, we are doomed to sort of put ourselves in situations that don't bode well for the growth, development, and security of this country. That's the part. That's the part. So when you see people coming across the border, they're not. It's not so much that they that that they that they want to just come over here and run this country. No, they're running from tyranny and oppression. They want what we want: a better place to live, a better place to educate their kids. They want safety. That's like what we want, you know. And until we invest in stabilizing the countries of where they come from, then we're going to have this, right? We're going to have this. So we have a cartel problem. Why do we have a cartel problem? Because the desire for those kinds of drugs are greater than the desire for not. And until we address that part, until we address the market, because let me tell you something. This is what I know. Those cartels can't exist if it wasn't lucrative. And it's lucrative. If it wasn't lucrative, they wouldn't be doing it. They wouldn't kill whole communities of people. They wouldn't have people working for them, you know, and they wouldn't be enslaving people if it was not lucrative. So who are the buyers of these products? Well, look to America, look to other countries, cut the demand for that foolishness. But they're not, you know why? Because that money, that money trickles into all, that money makes its way into all kinds of things that fund all kinds of things here and abroad. So that's why that pipeline is not going to be cut because there's too much money. It's too much money running drugs. It's too much. It's too much money, you know. So, so we have to decide as a country, can we get rid of that money, help secure other countries so that their people can live in peace? But we're not willing to do that. And we can collectively do that. I mean, we could collectively say, and, and I don't mean these little stupid statements, oh, a war on drugs. We have a war on drugs. No, we don't have a war on nothing. What we're going to do is help neighboring countries build their infrastructure and build their countries so that they don't have to leave their country in fear because it's being overrun by a drug trade that does not benefit them. Who benefits from the drug trade? Not, not the people that who are the mules, not the people who, who are living in fear, not them. This, this stuff has to be moved. How is it being moved? Who benefits from moving it? What does it pay for? Do you know what I mean? Like, 
but we're not doing that. <laughs> we we kind of doing it. We ain't doing it. I'm just saying, you know, tyranny in the world is is tyranny, and and we could we could we could we have the power to do all kinds of things. We just don't do them. I don't care what anybody says. We have the power to do all kinds of things. So when I see these these people running with their children across the border, running with their children to unknown lands with their children in tow, you have to know when you leave a place with their children that the place that you're leaving is so unsafe that you will do anything and everything to get out with your kids. Think about that. Think about that. Think about if you're at your house and you got to get out your house with your kids because it's unsafe, where are you going to go? What you going to do? Who are you going to connect to? So we, we, have to, we have to sort of really think about this globally. We have to enlist other countries to sort of do this work globally. And it can't be, well, these countries, they want to do the work, but they want to benefit too. I hate that drugs are so lucrative. I do. I hate that human trafficking is lucrative. I hate that. I hate the fact that people have no regard for humanity other than to sell other people. I hate that. I hate it with a passion. And it's people that we know, you know, like not, not know like, oh, they are friends, but they're people that we know. We know, we watch, we pay attention. We know what's going on. You know, people who sell children are the worst kind of human beings. The worst kind, the worst kind, the worst kind, you know, and the fact that we, 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 we miseducate each and everyone, our children, our neighbors, our friends about what this is and what it looks like and who's doing it. The fact that we don't do enough of that is disheartening to me. Oh, we don't want to make people, we don't want to, you know, I, we, we have a country full of angry people for some reason. Lots and lots of angry people. Lots and lots and lots of angry people who don't mind picking up guns and killing a whole bunch of people because of their own angst. And 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 I'm tired of everybody laying this at the at the at the feet of mental health professionals and, and the lack of mental health. Okay. <laughs> All right. That that may be true, but the mental health. The mental health profession is not the only profession that ought to get some of this smoke. Gun manufacturers and folks who who want people to have guns all willy-nilly without any bound. Listen, I can't even go in the drugstore and get antihistamines without checks and balances. Antihistamines. Do you know what I mean? Like it's behind the counter, lock the hell up. Like I can't go in there and God knows don't let me try to buy two or three bottles of it. Can't. But I could. But we don't want checks and balances on firearms. Oh, we have we have laws. We're not enforcing them. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> we have some of the weakest laws on the planet. Because if it was, if if those laws were strong, we'd shut this down. They don't want background. Why don't you want background checks on somebody before they buy a firearm? You have to get a background check before you buy a damn house, <laughs> before you buy a car. Like they check your financial 
It's the history. They want to know if you have a job. They want to know if you'll be able to make these payments. Why don't we want that for a firearm? Help me understand. <laughs> what? I don't. Please don't tell me amendment anything. Don't tell me amendment nothing. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? Then everybody gets armed with a musket. Because when that was written, that's what you had, muskets. So everybody gets a musket. <laughs> Your Second Amendment goes toward a musket. <laughs> you gonna give up your clocks, your automatic, all those things. You have to have a musket at the house. <laughs> Stop it. And we just go to the absurd so fast. So fast. I don't see nobody advocating for muskets. <laughs> I don't see it. Let me know. I, I don't see it. You want a gun, you get a musket. You want a gun at the house, have a musket. You want to carry a weapon, carry a musket. That's it. All this other stuff is off le off, off, le is off limits. Everything, your Glocks, your other automatic firearms, right? All that off, off limits. You want to carry a gun, you carry a musket. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But I know people people feel some kind of way about that. You know, they, they, oh, I have the right to bear arms. All right, you do. Muskets. Everybody gets a musket. Get a musket. <laughs> a musket. I, I just had enough. And I was thinking about, I, I, I tell you what, you know, before, um, you know, when crimes, you know, when you when crimes are committed, there is no motive. And I used to think, well, the fact that they did it is enough for me. But looking at this Colorado case of these these college students and this grad student who killed them, I want to know what his motive is because I, I, for the life of me, I understand how you could just roll up in somebody's house at four a.m. with a knife and kill them all, all but two. You know, all but two. Like he just went in there and just killed them, killed them. And I was like, why? And then, you know, he was, you know, I, I don't understand. People don't know that, you know, your, your car is under surveillance. Everything, we are all under surveillance unwittingly and just by happenstance. We are all under surveillance, you know. I mean, everybody's got ring doorbells and and because they need to see, you know, that people feel safe when they know if somebody's approaching their house, by their house, near the house. So, and then there's cameras because traffic calming, all those, all the things, all the things. And they saw that he he drove by their house a bunch of times, right? Like he was in their neighborhood. So I don't know if he knew them, if he was jealous of them, if he was digging these chicks, not digging them, wanting to get near them. They didn't give them the time of day. Maybe they snubbed. I don't know, but I want to know. Because this is just the level. Because you're a grad student, you working on stuff. You about finish. You about to finish. What are you doing? Why are you killing people? What made you say get up that morning and be like, I'm gonna kill some people? Like, what is what is that? I I want to know. For the first time in a long time, I've been interested in motive. I'm really interested in motive. So he he's been extradited back to Colorado. And uh, I don't know if he's talking or whatever, but it, 
some point he's going to have to say, or maybe he won't, maybe he'll never say, maybe we'll never know, you know, why he killed people, why he killed these people, you know. And and uh, and I, I'd like to hear from the folks who survived it, you know, who, who lived through it. I was like, gosh. And, you know, I, my first thought was, well, all of y'all in the house is just one of him. Y'all couldn't have kicked that ass. But you know what? Somebody rolls up on you at four o'clock in the morning, you dead sleep or whatever. And then they had a DoorDash delivery or something. But if, I mean, that's just one of these things that's so unexpected. Who expect to be murdered in their house? No one. No one. So, and at four o'clock, you're, you're in your pajamas or naked and you're vulnerable. All the things. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. And then and then he leaves. And then he has the nerve to come back. And it would take eight hours before, you know, um, anybody was notified. You know, like 911 was called. I would have been scared out of my mind. But, geez. Oh, I don't know. I am interested in the motive for that. I will tell you, I am interested in the motive because I just think, uh, I, I just want to know what what his thinking is. You know, I just want to know, like, what happened. You know, because I think people want to know, like, what triggered this? What what's the problem? What what is happening? You know, was he, what, did he want to be in that clique and couldn't be in that clique because he was too old to be in that clique? You know, did they snub him and they didn't realize they snubbed? Like, I don't know. I just want to know though. So I'm paying attention to this case. You know, he, he waived his right to extradition. So he's brought on back, you know, um, and, and the families are keeping a cool head. I mean, I know it's painful, you know, and to see all the videos of their kids, you know, at a party, they all left the party. I mean, they did all the right things. You know, we always tell our kids when you go, when you're in college or whatever, you go to a party, don't leave by yourself. You know, leave with your friends, leave with the people you came with, you know, make sure everybody's accounted for it. I mean, they did all the things right. You know, the other girls were out with their boyfriends. They got back, everybody got back. Everybody, you know, they got back at a, they weren't out to like, you know, like how I get down, but they were, you know, it was all home by 2 a.m. You know, that kind of stuff. So I that was just painful. You know, it's not more painful than the other murder. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it has captured my attention because it was just so heinous. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you just walk into a house and kill kids? You know, how do you do that with a knife? Like, what? You know, and from what I understand, they were fighting back. The, the wounds were... Their wounds were defensive, you know. Some of them were fighting back, so I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know what you do in those moments when the end is nigh, you know, and you don't know. You're just like, gosh, what the hell is happening? You're trying to make sense of it, and it's four o'clock in the morning, crazy. So anyway, I just, I just feel some kind of way about that. But I'm gonna pay attention because I, I want to hear what the thinking is. I want to. I want to, uh, I want to hear. I believe there was another shooting, uh, a, another shooting somewhere. And uh, I, I tend to not uh, want to go uh, to malls anymore and stuff like that. Not because I'm afraid. Just, I just, 
you know, I just, I just don't know when, uh, when things are gonna, uh, are gonna jump off. Oh yeah. So there's, there's a, there was a shooting uh, yesterday in Florida, Miami gardens and, uh, six, Oh, 10 people were injured. So, uh, I'm looking at the, there's a, a gun violence archive. So there was a, a shooting January 5th in Louisiana, New Orleans, St. Andrew's Street and, and Reverend John uh, Raphael, Raphael Jr. Way. Uh, two people were killed. Three were injured. Like, how, how, what is the number that we could get at that makes us say, okay, we're going to stop this? Like, what is that number? And now this is since January 1st. So January 1st in Florida, um, two people were killed, four were injured. And in Ocala, is it Ocala, Osala, Ocala? And then Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Illinois, Ohio. That's just January 1. January 3rd, Louisiana, D.C., January 4th, Virginia, Utah, Maryland, Louisiana, Florida. Like, what's the number? What is the number? What is the number that we will find uh, unconscionable? What is the number of deaths that is unconscionable? Unconscionable. I think that's, I think what, I think, and, and I keep thinking that we're going to reach a threshold where people are going to find, going to say, okay, that is it. <laughs> I don't know what that number, I don't, for the life of me, I don't know what that number is. Because I, as I say to people all the time, I'm still in Sandy Hook. If we didn't move the needle with them babies being killed in their schools with their teachers, then I, I, I our hearts and minds are numb and we're not going to do anything for, and we've since you know, and that was 10 years ago. So now we've since seen all kinds of mass mur mass shootings. And we still, we just seen another school shoot shot up and kids killed. I mean, so I just want to know what the number is. What is the number that we could collectively get to and be outraged enough to say across the board, okay, we have to get serious about this. This is done. Everybody gets a musket. <laughs> everybody gets a musket i i think it should be hard i think it should be hard to get a gun i really do i don't i don't think you should be able to just get a gun because you walk into a store and buy one or you go to some trade show conference thing and you could buy one i i don't think you can't i mean we you can't even sell cigarettes to kids right like you can't walk into liquor stores and and be you know get liquor any old kind of way you know, there's there's rules to that. So if we have rules to that. Why don't we have rules to this? And please don't come at me with, well, we do have rules. They have to be enforced. Come on now. <laughs> Stop saying that. You you and I both know that's not the entire truth. That's not the entire truth. And we could do so much more. The same way when we make everybody wear seatbelts. And if you don't wear a seatbelt, there's consequences to that. Right? Like we know how to regulate stuff. 
we we're not new to regulating things. We're not new to reg, we're not new to regulating hazardous things. The the reason why you don't have nuclear weapons at your house is because you're not allowed to have nuclear weapons. So we know how to regulate things. We know. We just don't want to because we're so worried. And I, I, you know, I tell anybody, that's what I say. Everybody should join the NRA and take it over. Just take it from them. Just take it from them and make it what you want. Just take it. If every Black sorority fraternity person joined the NRA and every Latino group joined the NRA and everybody joined the NRA, we just wrestle it from them. What are they going to do? We come into it fair, easy, just the way they did. Pay our dues, show up and vote, take it over. That's what I would, that's what I suggest. Just take it over. What are they going to do? Go start another one? And every time they start something, we just go take it over. Seriously. I, it, that's change. Start start there. It's got to be a, it's got to be a several prong activity, right? A several prong plan. Take over the NRA. Press legislate, legislators on better gun safety laws. Um, get in front of gun manufacturers and say, listen, listen, you better put some other checks and balances in these guns. You better start whenever somebody buys a gun, it has its own unique serial number to it to them. And, and they can only buy these kind of bullets for the for the gun and they got to be numbered too and they got to be connected to the you know what i mean like there's all kinds of stuff that you could do you know like i have a vin number on my car <laughs> you know what i'm saying if you could track if you could track the mileage on my car you should be able to track a damn gun that's all i'm saying and maybe we are doing some of that maybe we are but i i just know too many guns have ended up in places they shouldn't be I, I, I don't know any gun manufacturers in the inner cities across America. You know any? Let me know. I could be wrong. Tell me. I want to know. I'm an inquiring mind. So until we, and listen, I'm a former firearm owner, a licensed firearm owner. So I know I had firearms in my house, had a walk-in safe and a safe put in the closet because my then husband was all about it. And so I was all about it. So I, I know I'm no stranger to guns, firearms, and firearm safety. And I had children. And we were very clear conscious about firearm safety. You know, ammunition, uh, 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 bullets and stuff were never kept next to guns. They had their own safe for that stuff. Guns, even though they were empty, no bullets in the chain, nothing. They had their own locks on them. Listen, we had we had uh, uh, a safe that had was fingerprint accessible. We wasn't playing. We had all that stuff because safety first. If you're gonna have that kind of stuff, you got to be safe with it. So anyway, I, I don't know why I got on that lament about guns. I I, I think I think what the point that I'm making is that we have the capacity to do anything to do anything. We just don't have the will. We don't have the political will to do it, but we have the capacity. We have, we have the understanding and the intellect to do it. That's what I'm saying. So if we want a better world, everybody got to do their part to make it a better world. So um, find something that you care about and engage in it. Write the letters, march, protest, call, whatever you have to do. 
not whatever you have to do, like be safe. Like don't be an insurrectionist. <laughs> I'm not advocating for that. I'm not advocating for that. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying there are all kinds of ways to exact change and change is slow. But if you keep working at it, uh, you could get it done. Ask Gary Winfield, he'll tell you, 10 years working on ending the death penalty, 10 years to convince people that the state shouldn't be killing people. <laughs> ten, 10 years of saying, no, we, we really shouldn't be in the business of killing people. I know, I know they committed a heinous crime, but do we really want to be like killing people too? Like what makes us better than them if we're killing people? That's not justice. That is not justice. I know people think it is. It is not. That's not justice. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Anyway, good people. I got to go. But uh, it's been my pleasure. I'll be back on Monday to uh, chat you up some more. I'll start lining up some guests, have some people to come on. We'll do all the things. You know how we do. It's a new year. Happy to be sitting in the big chair. Thank you all so much for listening. And uh, I'll be back on Monday. Y'all be safe. Thanks, Harry, for a week. I'll see you on Monday. Bye now.
to you. 